in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland and today we're going to listen to a good old classic episode of Tech Stuff. This is uh, prompted by the fact that the trailer for Star Wars Episode 7 came out and set my mind on fire. I'm sure I'm not the only person out there who feels this way. I love Star Wars. I thought the prequels had killed it for me, but this this preview has me cautiously optimistic. And we thought it might be fun to talk about the lightsaber. And so I want to go back and listen to this episode that Chris and I recorded way back in April 2010. This is going pretty far back there, but we talked all about lightsabers. So check it out, and then when the episode's over, I've got a little bit of an update and some information to tell you. So we're going to start off this podcast with a little listener tweet. This listener tweet comes from Jacqueline Hyde, who says, Got a listener request for you. How lightsabers work. The force is strong with this one. (laughs) So we are going to talk about lightsabers. This is kind of an interesting subject in the sense that uh, really it belongs in stuff you missed in history class because it did happen a long time ago. In a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. Um, Or technically it could be fan stuff, but they don't have a podcast. So we're going to tackle it before anyone can grab it from our cold, dead Padawan hands. As the Jedi would say, neener, neener. Yes, the Jedi (laughs) would say that. So, of course, we're talking about the civilized weapon from a... Uh, or the elegant weapon from a more civilized age, yes. uh, the lightsaber, as uh, introduced to us through George Lucas's brilliant work, Star Wars A New Hope, um, or That's just Star Wars say. when it first came out in 1977. It was not American Graffiti, as many people think. No, no, there was no cameo of the lightsaber in American Graffiti, although that would have made that movie that much more awesome. Yeah. So... Lightsabers. Of course, this is the weapon the Jedi use, the the magic sword of the Star Wars series. And in fact, when uh, most of the interviews I've seen with Lucas, he just refers to it as a magic sword. Mm-hmm. You know, he just it, it's that's what the purpose of it is. It's just it happens to be called a lightsaber, but it's a magic sword. So the problem with magic is that there's not a whole lot to how it works other than magic. You know, you. You're just totally getting into that early. I thought we were going to go ahead and talk about how it works. All right. Well, this has not stopped people from telling us how it works, despite the fact that it's magic. So let's talk about... there are people who will argue exactly how this works. Yeah, it's not As a canon. matter of fact, we have an article on how it works. It's not canon. And canon is important to me. Okay. Um, All right. But then again, you know what is canon? What's that? Jar Jar Binks. So let's just move on into how <laughs> lightsabers work. So a lightsaber is uh, made up of several different parts. You've got the handle, which is pretty much where everything is, right? Yeah. So uh, the handle has uh, at the base of the handle, you've got the uh, the the power cell, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a was it diatom? Yes, the diatom crystal. All right. So you've got the diatom power cell that's in the Somebody's base. Somebody's going to correct us, you know. That's fine. We, you know what? If they correct us, if they take that time. More power to that. Uh, <laughs> the Dyson power cell is in the middle of a power vortex ring mm-hmm. and a power field conductor. Now, where does all this power go? You've, you're generate. That's essentially like the battery of the lightsaber. That's the very base. So, and it's got a lot of energy stored in it. Too. Yes, lots and lots of energy. Now, where does this energy go once it starts to emit from the power cell? It goes into the crystal energy chamber. Right, where you have your primary crystal. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, depending on whom you ask, yes, 
This crystal may or may not determine the color of the lightsaber's blade. Yes. Now, some would argue that the real determiner for the lightsaber color is lies with the Jedi, him or herself, and the force that that Jedi imbues the crystal. Right. So in that case, you could have any crystal and essentially have a lightsaber of any color. It would all be up to the individual Jedi. Mm -hmm. Others would argue, nay, tis not so. The lightsaber <laughs> color is dependent entirely upon the color of the crystal you select to focus this power. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to go with that one. Okay. So, uh, you know, of course, we, we also need to talk about how Jedi lightsabers are different from Sith lightsabers because they are. Yes, they are. So the, the crystals that Jedi use mm -hmm. tend to be natural crystals. Right. They're crystals found in caves throughout the galaxy. Mm -hmm. um, and so these crystals are uh, – they can take the power and create the the, the force of the uh, – I guess the actual lightsaber blade mm -hmm. is the best way of putting it. Um, and – the Sith, what they do is they'll they'll make a they'll make their own crystals. They'll create a forge and they'll build a synthetic crystal. And theirs tend to be red. Yes, which is why you see Sith like like Darth Maul or Darth Vader or Darth Tyrannus uh, walking around with a big old red lightsaber. Mm -hmm. Whereas Jedi, they tend to stick with blue and green. Although other colors are also available. Yes. So there are more than, but there there are more than one crystal though. The yes, primary yes. crystal is uh, is just one part of that. There are sec right. there are secondary and smaller crystals, and it sort of depends on the Jedi who builds the lightsaber because the lightsaber is creating a lightsaber is part of becoming a Jedi. Yes, it's actually the final step of Jedi training, according to uh, Darth Vader. Yes. So, you, but but what the additional crystals do is they actually help focus the the energy into a blade form. Right, right. So the energy coming from the power cell, once it passes through the crystal, that's what gives it the the destructive force that we see from lightsabers. Mm -hmm. The other crystals focus that into the blade, um, and depending also on upon whom you ask, yes. they may also give the the lightsaber other certain powers. Mm -hmm. Like it may enhance certain uh, certain aspects of the lightsaber. For example, we know that lightsabers can deflect blaster fire. That's true. Some of these crystals are apparently more effective at deflecting blaster fire than others. Yes. And others may be better at cutting through certain kinds of material. So uh, uh, now other other scholars will argue mm -hmm. that's not the case. The the it just focuses the blade, doesn't imbue it with any other powers. Um, Personally, I haven't had my hands on a lightsaber in a really long time, so it's kind of hard for me to tell you exactly what, what, which ones are right. And also, I have only ever really uh, used one. So with that small sample size, it's impossible to say. Yes, and, and this is probably a good time to point out that if you do have the opportunity to use a lightsaber, remember, it's, it's not the kind of thing that you just want to play around with because it can be a very... Uh, very dangerous weapon. Yeah, it you turns can do some out serious damage that with when it. you can cut through, you know, a foot of steel, that it's not the best thing to, you know, swat a fly with. No, no. no. Um, after it goes through the crisp, the focusing crystal, it passes through the the blade energy channel, which uh -huh. again further refines the blade and directs it into a straight line that would emerge from the hilt. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the very top of your blade, you've got your uh, your cycling field energizers, uh, your energy modulation circuits, uh, and then you've got your uh, your controls. Your controls adjust the power of the blade, 
and it also adjusts the length of the blade. So even though we normally see lightsabers used at a, at a pretty standard length, most people have it at a, you know, whenever they turn on their lightsaber, it's pretty much the same length each time. Mm-hmm. Technically, you can adjust that. So uh, you can make it longer or shorter u- using the blade length adjustment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a magnet- magnetic stabilizing ring and a, a blade shroud emitter um, at the very top which help control the blade so it doesn't just zap out when you turn it on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's your basic anatomy of your lightsaber hilt. All right. And, then, and of uh, course, then there's the activation matrix, yes. which is the Star Wars term for... The on, on switch. On. Yes. yes. I just, yeah. I love that part. They're, uh, the handle is about 30 centimeters in length, so they're not ridiculously long, right? Um, which is good to know. It generates an arc wave energy field, Oh, yes. And uh, this is why the blades actually have a stopping point. Yes. And it has a, it produces sort of a gyroscopic effect, too, which is why you have to be very careful with it because it, it you know, it, ha- it, it has a pull to it, if you will. Right. But that also makes it easier to use because otherwise it would be like swinging a flashlight around. Yeah, there'd true. Be, there'd be no feedback from swinging the handle, and it would make it much more difficult to master uh, a lightsaber if you didn't have that gyroscopic effect when you started swinging it around. Um, so the, the blade arc tip, that's the very end of the lightsaber. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's uh, the, the arc emitter is what's keeping it from becoming a, like a blaster. Mm-hmm. Actually, lightsabers predate blasters. Yeah. Um, before it was were, a more civilized age after all. Yes, it was. And, you know, I guess civilized means that you lopped each other's limbs off as opposed to shooting each other from very far away. Uh, never, uh, never bring a lightsaber to a blaster fight. Oh, wait, no, you could do that. No, yeah, you can do that because, yeah. (laughs) All right. So let's, let's talk about, let's talk about, uh, that's, that's the basics of building your lightsaber. Um, now each Jedi builds his or her own lightsaber as part of their training. Yes. Uh, and they're going to build it according to their own particular fighting style. Mm -hmm. Now, do you, have you heard about the, the different Jedi fighting styles? No, I haven't. There are seven major forms. I hadn't realized of that. lightsaber styles. Yes. Okay. Well, why don't you uh, why don't you tell this? All right. I'll, 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 I'm going to go into a little detail, but I mean, okay. I'm just going to do this as a pretty high level thing. No, no, so, we don't need to get into depth. No, no. This isn't Jedi fighting style stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's another podcast that we're starting next month. Yeah, start requesting now. Um, next month being April, I can't imagine when the first episode <laughs> will come out. Uh, so, so the. The, uh, the the fighting styles, you can think of it kind of like martial arts styles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not all martial arts styles are alike. Karate mm-hmm. is very different from jujitsu, which is very different from Aikido, which in turn is different from Hapkido. Um, so, so, so is there drunk Jedi style? No, there's no drunken master Jedi style. Although I hear Yoda can get up to some wacky shenanigans on a Saturday <laughs> night. Uh, the... The seven forms of lightsaber combat are actually listed as, you know, Form 1, Form 2, Form 3. They each have their own names, but I'm not even going to try and pronounce them because they're all alien and I I don't have the capability. I don't actually know what the pronunciation is for most of them. But If you hadn't spilled your midichlorians, you'd be fine. I know. In general, Form 1 is the foundation. It is the basic form of lightsaber combat. It's your basic strikes, your basic defenses. Um, it teaches you how to view the body as a series of targets. Like you think of, you, you divide up the body like the head is a certain uh, uh, certain target, the arms, the torso. Mm-hmm. And, you know, attacks are very specific to each target. You know, different slashing techniques and hacking techniques. Uh-huh. So form one is kind of 
lightsaber combat 101. Everyone pretty much goes through that. Form 2 is dueling. Mm-hmm. Now, this lightsaber combat really concentrates on finesse, blade control, footwork. This is the kind of uh, of style that uh, Count Dooku slash Darth Tyrannus used. Yes. Now, that is why his lightsaber handle actually has a curve at the end of it. It's so that he can hold it kind of like a pistol grip. Gives him a lot of control over the tip of the blade. And uh, that's just his style of, of dueling. Now, this was much more popular before Blasters came out mm-hmm. because it was just really meant for lightsaber to lightsaber combat. Once Blasters came out, uh, people uh, Jedi began to realize that the in order to deflect these these uh, blaster bolts, they would need to adapt their fighting style. Uh, this is not the best style to use if you're being shot at by stormtroopers, for example. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that was Tyrannus's favorite form. Then there's form three, which is defensive, uh, where you are trying to reveal the least amount of target space on your body. Right. So it's really good for defending against blasters, that kind of thing. Uh, form four is an acrobatic style, lots of flips and spins. Uh, you're using the force to boost your your physical abilities, so you're you're depending more on uh, these acrobatics than on uh, your blade uh, at that point. Yes. So Yoda uses that a lot. Um, if you've seen him fight Count Dooku, he mm-hmm. he's like a little Cuisinart. And then uh, Form 5, that uses the deflective nature of the lightsaber to reflect uh, blaster fire. Um, You use use strength in your attacks, so it's a a more brute force kind of of approach. Mm -hmm. This is the style uh, favored by a certain Skywalker family. Both Anakin and Luke used Form 5. Form 6 combines elements of Forms 1 through 5, but... It also teaches that you should be detached from emotion. You should be using very calculating um, uh, ways of, of moving. You shouldn't let your emotions dictate what you're doing. Form 7 is kind of the opposite. That's leveraging your emotion into power and using that to fight your opponents. This was what Darth Maul uh, used, with some reliance on, uh, on, on Form uh, 4 as well, the acrobatic style. Now, uh, of course, he had a uh, double-bladed lightsaber. Yes. And those don't work all that differently than a regular lightsaber. They're just basically two lightsabers attached together at the hilt. Right. So, so there's there's, there's no... four crystals instead of two. Right. Or a minimum of four because you have to have four, uh, you know, two of the generator type and two of the focusing type at minimum yes. in order to uh, create the two blades. By the way, uh, those uh, focusing crystals are usually uh, Adigan crystals. Usually, but you can also find them on Dantooine, as mm-hmm. well as many, many other uh, uh, planets within the Star Wars galaxy. Yes, until uh, Sinistar comes after you and, you know, calls you a coward. Right. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, I switched yeah. genres there. Um, okay. You lost me. You lost me. <laughs> Seriously, you never played Sinistar? I rarely played Sinistar. Okay, okay, Way, 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 way back in the past, back when the Jedi were, were um, much more numerous, mm-hmm. the color of your blade also would indicate what uh, what kind of Jedi you were. Really? For example, if you had a blue blade, that signified that you were a Jedi guardian, and so you're much more, you know, kind of a physical. You would get into the fights. You would, you know, defend people with your your prowess. Uh, green would suggest that you were a Jedi consular. And uh, this would be someone who was much more thoughtful and kind of contemplative. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, yellow would indicate that you're a Jedi Sentinel, and that's someone who kind of 
was in between the other two. So so not as physical as the Guardians, but not as uh, brainy as the others either. So Yellow and blue do make green. This is true. I learned that somewhere. So should we go into the other aspect of lightsabers? So you mean we're actually going to step outside of the realm of Star Wars? Oh, I was just looking at the time and thinking... Maybe that maybe we should, we should we do should that? Point, yeah, yeah, that's probably a good idea. All right, so... That's within the Star Wars universe, of course. That's how they supposedly work. And I should also add, none of that is canon. And when I say canon, I'm talking about the stuff that Lucas himself has signed off on as saying, yes, this is officially part of the Star Wars history. Um, Most of that is just the movies. Um, To some extent, you could argue the books as well. Some of those Lucas has more or less said... Uh, yeah, even though that didn't appear in the movie, that is canon as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he never goes into explaining the, the blades in the movies. And so this is really other people trying to um, retcon, really, <laughs> to, to explain why this stuff works. Yeah, um, yeah. basically, uh, and, and if you're unfamiliar with the term, canon is uh, like basically the written instructions for how a, uh, a magical or you know, fantasy or science fiction universe operates. And it kind of helps you write the stories and the Star Wars canon sort of came about after some of the stories had already been in, in practice. So it's a little looser right. than some of the other universes. Right. So if you were to read some of the comic books or some of the other books that have been written in the Star Wars universe, you might notice that they sometimes contradict what happened in later movies. Mm-hmm. And that's because they're not canon. Yep. All right. So moving on to how they actually created this effect. Which is really, film. which is really fascinating too, I think. Right. Now, now, first of all, in A New Hope, the first film, mm-hmm. uh, they hadn't originally considered animating or adding any light to these at all. The original idea was that the lightsabers were going to have, uh, there were these, these, uh, I think it was three sided, uh, three sided pole that came out. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a triangular pole and each side was, um, was coated with a uh, very reflective material and they used a lamp that was on the same side as the camera and focused the light so that it would reflect off of it, be really shiny and there was a motor inside the handle that would direct the the side to be uh, aligned properly for the camera. Mm-hmm. But the effect was not as uh, zippy as Lucas wanted. Yeah. So um, they started to cast about and see if they could find some other way of making this magic sword seem really magical. Mm-hmm. And they contacted an animator by the name of Nelson Shin. Uh, Nelson Shin took a week and looked at this footage that had been shot and used an effect called rotoscoping. Ah, oh, yes. The uh, the technique, an animation technique, is actually a very old yeah. technique. Um, a lot of people, and myself included, associate it with uh, AHA's Take On Me video. I, I associate it with uh, Ralph Bakshi's um, Lord of the Rings movie. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Also, uh, Wizards was mm. another movie he used it in. Wow. But it's, it's where you take uh, live-action footage and then you overlay animation on top of it, sometimes replacing the live-action footage entirely, sometimes enhancing it. And in this case, it was enhancing it. Yes. So what he did was he used animation cells to create this, this glowing blade effect on top of the, uh, the actual physical rods that were in the shots, and then uh, using, you know, synchronizing the the cells that he had created with the actual film, overlaying the animated effect on it, creating a new print that combined these two uh, individual prints. And that's how you, you know, he sent that back to Lucas and said, well, here, you can try this and see if this works. Uh, Lucas liked it. Um, They decided to go with that approach. They refined it a little bit. They added some color. So you had different color blades because originally they were both white. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, and that was the beginning of the lightsaber uh, effect. Now, in the first three films, which four, oddly enough are episodes four, five, and six, um, they used the rotoscoping technique where they would essentially hand draw these things on cells. Yeah. Um, Basically, what they do is they put that cell over the original film and color it in. Yeah. And then, but that's not, but that's not all of it because that does add some color to it. But from from there, they they have to shoot more film with the cell and the original. And when they do that, they shoot it over a black background and use a, a light diffuser over the lens. Yes. They double expose the shots. Yes. And that that makes them really pop. That make, that makes them look sort of you know gives them that sort of otherworldly effect. Uh, you know how bright they are in the shots. So. Uh, Right. It's kind of sophisticated when you think about it, but very, very time-consuming. Right. Yes, it took took a really long time. It took slightly less time by the time they got around to the prequels, episodes 1, 2, and 3, because they could do it all digitally. But somebody still has to go into the computer and Right. You're draw doing it, you're doing it all in computer as opposed to doing it on hand Yeah. handmade cells. Um so I mean it still takes time. It's just not quite as time-consuming except for the fact that Lucas decided to throw in about, I don't know, ten times as many lightsaber battles in those first three movies as the, the original trilogy combined. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the actual hilts of the lightsabers were made up of uh, old camera flash battery packs mm-hmm. and other odds and ends, like stuff from uh, uh, hardware stores, like uh, plumbing um, gaskets and things like that. Yeah. Now, they, they shot these movies in England, so they were raiding various British uh, hardware shops. So a lot of the materials that they use to build the the lightsaber handles are very hard to find or sometimes impossible to find in the United States, which is why it's kind of challenging to create a uh, a model of those those first – again, this is for the, the first trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, 4, 5, and 6. Um, it's hard to make those faithfully just because it's hard to get those parts in the United States. Um, now, for episodes 1, 2, and 3, those were all machined. Mm-hmm. So there's all like routed. They they designed them in a computer and then and then made used a router to cut custom parts and then assembled them. So it wasn't like they were just grabbing whatever they could find and and sticking it together. Um, they they came up with the concept. An artist came up with the concept and then they built it from scratch. That that was actually one of my questions. Like, where are the Jedi going to machine these parts? And you know. Do they is electrical engineering part of their training? It's Routandria. 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 Yeah. You go okay, to Routandria. Then. It's in the CAD system. <laughs> the CAD system. And, uh, nice. Yeah. Very we'll very nice. A lot of a lot of uh, rascals in the CAD system, as it turns out. I think Han Solo actually spent a lot of time in the CAD system. <laughs> it's funny because when I started doing the two of these, the two pieces of this, the the fantasy part and the you know special effects, how do they make it happen? I started thinking about that. I went. So who's actually making these, you know, because each one is different. Well, that's one of the things, too, that uh, um, that I think is at least somewhat canon is that it, it's all sort of individualized, mm-hmm. you know, to the Jedi. So I'm wondering if, uh, you know, they have to go down to the shop, you know, on the 34th floor and go, yeah, I need uh, – can you make uh, sort of the, the uh, arc tip sort of in this shape? No, 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 not exactly like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I you know, know I – 
it's kind of sad because when I look at the the props from the first uh, trilogy, mm-hmm. those look like things that have really lived in that universe yeah. for a really long time. I mean, the ships are all beat up, and even the Jedi. Uh, the Jedi are beat up. Yeah, the Jedi are beat up pretty bad. Uh, but no, even the the lightsabers look like they've been well used. Yeah. Uh, whereas the if you look at the prequels, everything looks like brand new and sparkly, and it's just a little. It, it doesn't feel om- it to me. It almost feels like it's two different universes. And, well, uh, you know, they are I what, could thirty go years on apart and on and thirty years. Come on, <laughs> do you really want to go down this road? Because look, no, we've we been, don't have we've time been for recording that. for like twenty four minutes. I'm not going to go for it another could, fifty. Yeah, um, fifty is probably conservative. In yeah, your that case. would be only because I'd have to stop and get a break to drink something. So let, uh, but we so we talked about the fact that you know rotoscoping either digitally or by hand that replacing frame by frame yeah. mm-hmm. these these rods the the physical things that were in the shot and and you needed the physical rods because you needed to be able to make contact yeah, when yeah. you're doing lightsaber battles right no that's a that's a good point the uh the handles that they use in the movies right now are you know plastic handles with aluminum rods and they're right. they're basically uh cylindrical and colored red, blue, or green. They actually had to, to wrap the, the uh, aluminum rods in construction paper because they were giving off too much dust when they were colliding during the um, the lightsaber battles. Yes. The original trilogy used, I think, wooden dowels. Mm-hmm. I don't think they used aluminum, uh, at least not in the first film. Yeah. I would imagine that would be a little hard on your wrists, too, because yeah. they're actually you know having a sword fight with aluminum rods. and Yeah. Now the rods are, are thinner than what you see on the screen. Yeah. Um, they're not as they're not as thick as as the lightsaber blade appears to be. But yeah, they need that so that they can do these moves and and make it look convincing. Otherwise, you would have lightsabers passing through one another, and that would just not look right. Yeah. So um, so there is a, a physical object there that you are are concealing with the uh, the overlay. And um, uh, before we get into how you can do this yourself. I wanted to talk a little bit about the sound effects. Oh, okay, sure. They, they were designed by Ben Burt, who was – he's a brilliant Absolutely. sound designer. Absolutely. Um, sound designers are – I think of them kind of like a very specific type of engineer. Sound designers are the kind of people who can walk into a room and just take a second and think of a billion different ways to use the sounds that are naturally occurring in that room. Mm-hmm. Most of us, we walk into a room, we'll hear a noise, and then within a second – we are already ignoring it. It's just been incorporated into what we think of as the background. But if you ever take a moment and really listen to your environment, you start to pick things out as uh, as they happen. Mm-hmm. Well, he's one of those guys who can hear a noise and immediately say, hey, uh, this would be great for blah, blah, blah. And when he was tasked with finding a noise for the lightsaber, he actually says this was the first sound he designed for wow. Star Wars, was the, the noise of the lightsaber. And mm-hmm. he, he did it with a combination of two noises. Yeah. One was from um, an old projector. Uh, there was uh, an old projector that would uh, made this humming noise mm. as it ran. And if you ran two of those projectors, you got a good little harmonizing effect mm-hmm. with the hum. And that's so that formed the basis of the when you fire up your lightsaber. Yeah. Um, the second was uh, noise that you would get if you ran a microphone near a uh, a television. It would be this buzzing noise. Oh, yeah, sort of a feedback. Yes, that that gives it the kind of little crackle sound that you also hear. Mm It's just sort of uh, kind of a a light sound underneath the thrum. Mm -hmm. And then whenever someone would wave a lightsaber, well, you have to create the wow noise. The way he did that was he would move a microphone past a speaker that was playing that um, the 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 humming noise. Right. And the Doppler effect would take care of the rest. So you're just moving a microphone around a speaker, and then it's 
translates into the whoom, whoom, whoom when you're waving your lightsaber around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, absolutely brilliant. One of the, uh, you know, there's there was no going into a, a synthesizer or going into a studio and trying to create this sound from scratch. He just mm-hmm. found a practical way of creating it. And, uh, and it's one of those things that is forever married with the Star Wars universe. You yes. hear that sound, you know immediately what you're listening to. Exactly. Now, let's say you want to do this yourself. It's quite possible. Well, you have to uh, spend all that fuel getting to the other star systems. No, no, yeah, I, I don't mean building a real one. I mean like oh. creating the effect in a video. Oh, okay. So uh, you can do this yourself with the right kind of software. And uh, there are a lot of different video editing suites out there that have the effects uh, that you would need in order to create a, a lightsaber effect. Um, most of them are like things like a, Adobe has several. Uh, there's even a tool that's called LS Maker, which allows you to create a, a lightsaber, lightsaber effect pretty easily. In fact, all you have to do is do two clicks, and you create the basis of a lightsaber effect for a, a single frame of video. And then you can go in and, and tweak the effect so that it looks exactly the way you want it to. But, again, you have to do this frame by frame. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you do two clicks and it magically turns something into a lightsaber. You actually have to go through each frame and replace the the physical object with the the lightsaber representation in order for it to work properly. Yes, but YouTube is filled with people who have done this successfully. Yes, yes. (laughs) And some not so successfully. Some of them are pretty awful. But – the same effect, you can use the same sort of a, uh, technology to create other effects besides the lightsaber mm-hmm, effect. Mm-hmm. It's just that's one of those that is pretty easy to to apply because really you're talking about a straight line. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not that complicated. Um, it is time consuming, though. It can take hours and hours and hours to render a, uh, a video that would only last maybe 30 seconds, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you have multiple blades on there. That can Because each blade is going to require a different layer in your video. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're going to if you have like six Jedi out there and they all have lightsabers that's six layers of video right there in order for you to have all the effects come together properly. Yep. And then if, you know, they clash and you have to add the sparks and all right. the other there's, and yeah, you have to and it's it can be challenging. I mean, it's it's not it's not something that you're going to be able to whip out in an hour. It's nope. going to take a while, but yep. it's it's doable. All right, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I had a great time with Chris uh, recording that one. So the update, I promised. Well, first of all, it's not about your broadsword lightsaber that was seen in the trailer. Although my favorite theory so far is that the lightsaber is so overpowered and janky, and it was made by someone who was not actually trained as a Jedi, that the the cross hilt is not truly a cross hilt. Instead, it's vents that are venting off extra energy so that the lightsaber doesn't explode. It's awesome fan-made theory that probably has no basis in reality, but it's also pretty cool. I wanted to talk about a an actual experiment that was done back in 2013 that showed how light can somehow behave kind of like it does with a lightsaber. So if you know your 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 light physics, you know that photons don't normally interact with one another. That's why you can turn on two flashlights and pass the beams against and through each other, and there's no interaction, there's no interference, they just pass right on through. Photons normally don't mess with other photons. However, the some scientists at the Harvard-MIT Center for Ultra-Cold Atoms, which is the best name ever, discovered that if they supercooled rubidium atoms, a gas cloud of rubidium atoms, to, to as cold as they could possibly get it, 
and then they passed a, a couple of photons through that gas cloud, they would start to push and pull on each other as if they were like lightsabers. They could actually physically have this push-pull relationship. Now, it all has to do with a pretty weird concept called the Rydberg blockade, which is, it states that if you excite an atom, then you cannot excite nearby atoms to that same degree. You, it is impossible to do that. So when a photon enters this supercooled cloud of rubidium, it excites one of those atoms, and the other atoms around it can't be excited more, and that's where you start getting this kind of shoving behavior between the photons. The, the various press releases talked about it being kind of like the way atoms are arranged in a molecule. The, the photons actually clump together. So that's pretty awesome. Does it mean you can have a lightsaber? No, it's not going to be helpful for a lightsaber, but it may end up one day helping us create quantum computers that use the interactions between photons to help do these computations. Normally, again, we can't do that. Uh, or it might even lead us to being able to create three-dimensional objects, physical three-dimensional objects with light sometime in the future. Uh, how that works? You got me. This point, the physics are way over my head, but I thought it would be pretty cool to talk about. Anyway, let me know if you enjoyed this look back. Maybe one day we'll do another episode about lightsabers where we look into it again, especially given the, the new movies coming out. If you have any suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, let me know. Send me an email. The address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Or drop me a line on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr. The handle at all three is techstuffhsw, and I'll talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 